Listen up. I've got some tough love to dish out today, but it comes from a place of wanting the absolute best for you and your financial future. Today, we're going to talk about the biggest money mistakes that most people make, often without even realizing how much they're sabotaging themselves. But don't worry, I'll be nice. By becoming aware of these common pitfalls, you can course correct and get your finances back on track. All right, let's go. This is your money on easy mode with Damien from the PSA. My name is Damien, and I spread financial knowledge that puts your money on easy mode. I'm that weird friend of yours who obsesses over credit card signup bonuses, high yield savings account interest rates, and index fund expense ratios. In today's episode, we'll learn insider secrets from a therapist to the ultra rich. I'll cover four money mistakes that are costing you a fortune, and we'll commiserate over the downfall of free returns. And now for some headlines. What is it like being a therapist to the 1%? Clay Cockerell sat down for an interview with The Cut, and he lifted the veil on his unique practice that caters exclusively to high net worth individuals. It turns out money can't buy happiness. It actually causes some problems, such as isolation, entitlement, distrust, shame, and even more. As he tells it, money turns up the volume of life. It makes the highs higher and the lows lower. Here are a couple quotes from the interview. The interviewer says, I imagine that very rich people might worry that people only like them because of what they can afford. The response is, a lot of people wonder... If this were to all go away, would I have any friends? It can make them have really low self-esteem and a lot of self-doubt. They struggle with the fear of people don't like me for me. They laugh at my jokes because I'm paying for dinner. A lot of them keep their old friends very, very close for that reason and have trouble making new ones. End of quote. Boy, that's scary, isn't it? Another section that I found illuminating. Question from the interviewer. How do wealthy people decide whether or not to broadcast their money? And I thought this response was a good one. Well, it depends on the person. There's an important distinction. There's a difference between private and secret. Secret is dirty, right? It's shameful. Whereas private is appropriate. If someone asks about your weekend, you can say, I tried out this great restaurant, but you don't have to give all the details because you want to keep them private. Or you could be loud and open and say, oh, I got this great jet. We took it to Paris and we came right back and it was amazing. Every person has to find their level of comfort in what they disclose. I really like that distinction between private and secret. It's okay to remain discreet about the level of spending that you have as a wealthy person. You can give the broad strokes, but don't need to dive into the details that could put up barriers in your relationships. Anyways, I found this article really interesting. Uh, this therapist charges $600 per hour and caters exclusively to the ultra-rich in New York City. Go over to The Cut and read it. I'll put a link in the show notes for the full story. Let's get to the main story. Okay, in the main segment today, I want to talk about four areas where you're making mistakes with your money. I actually have even more than this, but I'm going to record next week's episode and focus solely on investment mistakes. So today we'll talk about general money mistakes. Next week we'll talk about investing mistakes. 
We'll start out very basic. The first mistake that you're making with your money, and it's an important, crucial, and boring one, is not budgeting. I know, everyone's tired of talking about budgets. Call it a budget, call it a spending plan, call it whatever you want. If you don't have one, you'll be directionless financially. If you don't have a budget or a spending plan, you're letting life happen to you instead of intentionally bringing purpose to your life. So where to start with budgeting? First, start by tracking your spending. In order to make goals for your money, which is essentially what a budget is, you first need to understand what it's doing today. This can be as painful as tracking each transaction in a spreadsheet, or it could be as painless as using an app or a tool to track that spending for you. My favorite spending tracker was Mint, RIP. Mint has shut down, but there are others who have risen to take its place. Some examples are Monarch Money, Personal Capital, now known as Empower, which I use personally, and Copilot, which is exclusively for Apple products, but I took it for a test spin and it's got a beautiful interface. So once you've tracked your spending for at least a month, then look at the categories of spending, such as your rent or mortgage, groceries, eating out, utilities, etc. Put your spending into these categories and make realistic goals for how much you should spend. Then track your spending against those goals. My number one favorite budgeting tool, which I've used for more than a decade, is called You Need a Budget, also known as YNAB. If you sign up with my link at thepsa.co slash YNAB, you'll receive a free month after the 34-day trial period. Once again, my sign-up link is thepsa.co slash YNAB. Check it out. You're going to love this software, and you'll use it for the rest of your life. So that was money mistake number one, which is foundational to your whole financial plan, and that is to have a financial plan, otherwise known as a budget. Money mistake number two that you could be making is to be paying only the minimums on your debts. Carrying a credit card balance and only paying the minimum payment could seem harmless enough as you're going month to month. But over the years, the high interest rates quietly grow that debt while keeping you stuck in a cycle of owing money. What started out as a harmless little purchase can end up costing you thousands of dollars with interest. In fact, if you only pay the minimums, some debts can take 20 years or more to pay off in full. Paying only the minimums is the number one behavior that will keep you in debt and poor. So accelerate your debt payoff using one of my favorite methods, either the debt snowball or the debt avalanche. For the debt snowball method, line up all your debts in order from lowest balance to the highest balance. Pay the minimums on all of them except for the one with the lowest balance. Once that debt is destroyed, move on to the next one with the lowest balance, throwing everything extra that you've got at it. Or you can use what's called the debt avalanche method. In this method, you line up your debts in order from the highest interest rate down to the lowest interest rate. Then you repeat those payoff steps. Minimums on everything except the one with the highest interest rate till you knock that one out. Then you roll the payments into the one with the next highest interest rate. For a lot more info on both methods, download my free debt destroyer guide at thepsa.co guide. 
Money mistake number three that you could be making is not saving up for emergencies. Life loves to throw unexpected curveballs, a medical expense, a car repair, or even a sudden job loss. Without cash savings, you'll resort to relying on your credit cards or predatory loans to stay afloat. But that puts you back into a cycle of poverty that is extremely hard to break free from. Instead, make small, regular contributions to a high-yield savings account. Shoot for a starter emergency fund of $1,000, then continue to build towards three to six months worth of your living expenses. After you've taken care of step number one, which is building a budget and tracking your expenses, then you'll know how much you need to spend month to month to survive. Once you have six months of living expenses in a high yield savings account, you'll sleep better at night knowing that you've got a financial cushion for the unexpected. My favorite place to store my emergency fund is in a high yield savings account with Wealthfront. Use the link thepsa.co slash Wealthfront to sign up and receive a three month boost of half a percent. The fourth and final money mistake that could be keeping you in a cycle of debt and poverty is buying too much car. After your rent or your mortgage, your car is probably your next highest expense. It's tempting to stretch your budget to get a flashy luxury vehicle that pushes your monthly car payment to the max. But new cars lose value quickly. A practical used car can provide the same utility at a fraction of the cost without the rapid depreciation. Make sure to crunch the numbers on the total cost of ownership, including insurance, gas, maintenance, and repairs before deciding to purchase. Then if you need to get a car loan, shop around for interest rates to get the best possible deal. Don't just go with the loan that the dealership offers to you. A little effort will go a long way to avoiding buyer's remorse down the road. Now I know used cars have a stigma, but they can be very safe. In fact, the past two cars that we purchased, a 2010 Honda Fit and a 2015 Toyota Camry, were both two or more years old when we bought them, and we bought them from a reputable dealer, CarMax. We checked out their Carfax reports, meaning a history of their maintenance and their repairs, and we stuck with cars that had only had one previous owner and no serious incidents. Now I know in the recent past since the pandemic, the used versus new car pricing and market has been a bit crazy. Sometimes new cars have prices similar to used cars. So do your research and eventually the market is going to settle back into its historical pattern of a used car that's been depreciated for a year or two, making more sense financially than a brand new car. Let's check in on the PSA around the web. All right, tell the truth. Have you ever bought something, worn it, and then returned it? Did you know there's a name for that? It's actually called wardrobing. In a recent video that I posted to Instagram and TikTok, I discuss how this trend is leading retailers to stop offering free returns. Let's take a look. Oh, got some bad news for you. The era of free returns is over. O-V-E-R. As it turns out, dealing with constant returns was a major pain in the assets for retailers. So what went wrong? Well, as it turns out, 
processing returns is very expensive. You got the labor, you got the shipping costs, you've got the goods themselves. In addition to that, the practice of wardrobing has gotten out of control. You know what wardrobing is. It's where you purchase that shirt, wear it once, and then return it. And finally, everyone's favorite boogeyman, inflation, has cut into profits, and so retailers need to cut costs somewhere. So what's been happening? Well, major retailers like Amazon, Gap, Zara, Anthropology, REI, etc. are now charging fees for returns as well as restocking fees. But don't worry, I've got you covered. If you head over to my website, thepsa.co, and check out my latest article, I give you five ways that you can dodge new return fees. All right, in that video, I mentioned inflation. Be sure to check out episode three of the podcast for five ways to beat inflation. If you'd like to follow me on social media, my handle is the PSA Damien on all platforms. Thank you for tuning into episode four of Your Money on Easy Mode. Your homework is to use one of the tools I discussed today to start tracking your spending. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and rate it on whatever app you're using to listen and tell a friend about it. See ya. Thanks for listening to Your Money on Easy Mode. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe and share it with a friend.